We, as a body, are contending for two things. Stronger faith and open heavens. Write them down. We're contending for stronger faith and open heavens. If you go into the scriptures and you look at the city of Capernaum, there was an open heaven over the city of Capernaum. When Jesus went there, many miracles took place. It was like the place was open over heaven. It was like there was a staircase like Bethel up and down there. And every time he went there, God did extraordinary miracles. The presence of God was especially present, it would say. Look at all of the times you read about Jesus interacting in that area. Then go to Nazareth. And in Nazareth, there was a cloud of unbelief and doubt. Yet, Jesus was still able to do a few miracles among them. See, so we want Capernaum. We want an open heaven over the city of Huron, over our lives. But we also want to develop a strong faith so that I don't say, you know what, it's just the unbelief of this area. I want to still be able to do a few miracles because of the faith in me. And that's what we're contending before. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are having this discussion because Jesus was up on the mountain of transfiguration. He comes down. The disciples have tried to heal this young boy. It didn't work. Jesus comes down. He takes care of it. And after they've gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Understand, up to this point, they have already done this. They've already gone into places and they've seen people healed. They've seen people come into the kingdom. They've seen people uh, set free from stuff. Demons have been cast out. The dead has been raised. Read their reports when they come back and testify to Jesus. They've already done these things. So they're perplexed. Jesus, you sent us out. We had all these miracles and we hit this one and we didn't know what to do. And so what were they doing? Arguing with the Pharisees about who was right. Get away from the war of words. If you're going to war with someone over doctrinal issues with words, use a sp- it's not going to work. You're not going to convince anybody with reason. Paul says, I came to you not with human reason, but by demonstration of the Spirit's power. And you know where you get that? In your prayer closet. We don't get that in a church service necessarily. Not that these aren't important. We don't get that by reading books about prayer. We get that by getting in the presence of God and having our faith be developed. He says to them, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. I don't believe Jesus was saying when you hit a difficulty, you should call a fast to respond to that. Now, that's a biblical, appropriate thing to do, but that's not what Jesus was teaching them here. What he was teaching them here is there is a level of faith, strong faith, character-type faith, that you need to develop. And a way to develop that is through fasting and prayer in your life. And as you learn to develop your spiritual muscles, you will be able to handle these difficult situations. Now, I brought some barbells with me today because some of us, if, if you went to the gym every single day of your life for a hundred years, hundred years every day, and you picked up this three-pound barbell, and you did all kinds of exercises, you even researched the internet, you found all kinds of different ways to do it. If you do this, it's actually better for you. And if you toss it back and forth, but here's the thing, you went for a hundred years, and this is the only thing you picked up, you would not develop strong muscles. I would look like this at the end of it all. In fact, I'd look a little better than this because I'm up to like 15. And so I wouldn't be a three. These are 
Okay, three, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 35, 50. Some of us, real men, when we go in the gym, we just start at 50. And you pick that thing up, and then you're at the doctor the next day because you pulled something. That's not how it works. And so what you do is, we actually do this in track. We tell kids, okay, what can you lift comfortably up to like five times? What can you lift comfortably? And, and that's kind of, then there's a, an equation to help you decide where to start in this process. Okay, so that you can develop muscles. And as you learn to do the three, then you move up to the five. And then as you develop the five, then you go up to the ten. Because in order to grow muscle, you have to add resistance. If you do not add resistance, you will not grow muscle. Now, if your job, if you just want to tone your muscle, yeah, then you stop at a certain level. But when you want the muscle to grow, you've got to add resistance. And some of us want our spiritual muscles to grow, but we for 40, 40, 50 years have been stuck on this one. And so when we encounter a trial or a difficulty in our lives, we respond with this one. When someone does something that offends us, we're back at this one. And here's the thing. The offense that God allowed into your life, that person that God allowed into your life to offend you, was to get you to go to number five. And you would do it right. You would go to that person, and you would reconcile with that person, and you would go to the five. But no, we're going to stay at the three. We're going to stay at the three. God's saying, hey, I want you to begin to pray and believe me for something bigger because you're up to five now, but I want to take you to ten. No, I'll just, I'm way more comfortable with my five, God. I want you to start just lifting your hands in worship. I want you to start engaging me in worship better. No, I'm really comfortable with the level I'm at. And then crisis hits. 50-pound moment in our lives and we don't know what to do. So we start praying for that thing. Someone dies and we're like, I'm going to lay hands on this person and I'm going to pray for them and they're going to come back to life. And, and then the next day, spiritually, we pulled something. And we're disappointed because God didn't hear my prayer. God didn't respond the way I thought he would. Yeah, it's not true. It doesn't work. That would, see, that response is just as foolish as starting at 50 God's saying, I started you over here. I've been trying to get you to go a little bit farther and a little bit farther. Well, God, I know you said to do that thing. I went to that service and that prophet prophesied over me and I started doing it. Man, praise God, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden it got hard. All of a sudden people got make, started making, I should maybe work out this one too so that I don't, I don't want to be too big on one side. Because, you know, I mean, God, I want to grow in you. I want to grow in you. And then someone started maybe making fun of you for it. Or someone started, who do you think you are? Who do you, you think you're more spiritual than me? Because, of, And so, you know, we get, a, we, I'm just going to go back here. Because people liked me better when I was back there. I mean, I want people to like me, so I'm, I'm going to be, I mean, that 10-pounder, yeah, I'm not ready for that level. Because people are mean when you when you're get at that level. Can I tell you something? If you want to get to level 50, you want to see the dead be raised, you got to be willing to progress. And if you get to level 50, um, you would think that if you laid your hands on a dead person and they came back to life, that you know all heaven would break loose in our city. But remember Jesus' words. Even if they see someone raised from the dead, they still will not believe. Some people's hearts will be so hardened, they still won't respond no matter what you do. So we just think if we could get to number 50, God's like, it's not about the dead being raised. It's not about 50. 
Because if a saint dies in Christ, hey, they're in heaven. We don't have to bring them back. In fact, the only reason we bring them back is for us, not for them. <laughs> Think about it. If Jesus brought the young boy back for his mother, not for the young boy. He didn't bring Lazarus back for Lazarus. Lazarus is probably like, dude, what are you doing? Now the Jews hate me. You could have let me dead. Did you know what it was like in Abraham's bosom? But who did he bring Lazarus back for? Mary and Martha. Because in that society, they, if they didn't have Lazarus, what, who's going to take care of them? See, the dead being raised is not about what we think it's about. It's about the journey. It's about us developing the type of character, the type of faith God wants to develop in our lives. This is why we do a 40-day prayer challenge, not so we can get to the end and be like, some of you, 40-day prayer challenge, you're still here. This is where you still are. You haven't, you haven't picked up five yet. You know what God wants you to do to pick up five, but you're like, I'm not picking that up. I'm not having that conversation. I'm not doing that obedient thing. And God's like, go back and do it. Too many of us feel like if we just keep going to church, we're going to grow. And church helps you grow, but if you don't start getting in the Word and doing what the Word says, it's not Bible memorization that makes me stronger. It's applying the Bible. James says if you hear the Word, you memorize the Word, but you don't do what it says, you're deceived. You think you're lifting 20, but you're really still on three because you're not doing what the Word says. You do it when it's hard. You do it when you don't feel like it. You just do it. Jesus tells two different stories in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells the story of the talents. And I don't have time to read these, but mark them down, read them later. Let the Holy Spirit soak it into your heart. If you're familiar with the Scripture, you're going to track with me. Um, if you're not, uh, read them later and then come back and listen again. One of those servants got five talents. One of them got two. One of them got one. That means they got different levels of stuff. Here's what I want you to understand. The one talent person, think of them as like um, being tone deaf. Okay? They're tone deaf. You know what it is to be tone deaf? You can't sing on key no matter what. Because there's literally something that you can't hear pitch. You just can't. Can I tell you something? If you are tone deaf, 10,000 hours of practice time will not make you a world-class singer. It just won't. I mean, it may make you a little better, but it just isn't going to happen. So when I say persistence is the key to success, if, you're, if it's not something God's already put in you, you might get better at it. But 10,000 hours isn't going to make you world class. For some of you, 10,000 hours of learning how to balance your checkbook isn't going to make you better. <laughs> I mean, it's going to make you better, but it's not going to make you wise with resources. For, that's why you marry someone who's wise with resources and stop fighting about money. Trust the one who's better. That's what you do. And some of you, you got to trust the other person that sometimes wants you to loosen the purse strings a little bit and live. It's okay. Dave says it too. So some of us in our lives, we have more opportunity, we have more wealth, we have more ability than others. But each of these people were rewarded not because the one guy got five more and the one guy got two more. Jesus didn't, the reward was not based on the fact that you got to ten. The reward was based on the fact that you multiplied what you had. And we look around and we start comparing ourselves with others. Well, I could be obedient to God too if I had that. Or if I had that upbringing. Or if I had that much money. Or if I had this. Or if I had that. Stop it. 
It's not about comparing yourself to someone else or what someone else is or isn't doing. What has God put in you? Be faithful with it. Go from three, go to five, go to ten. Stop trying to be who you're not. Amen. Amen. You don't have to be someone else. Your father has created you as a five, a two, or a one, and however he's done it, be faithful. Because the crazy thing is, is the one guy who buried it and did nothing was called a wicked, lazy servant, and he was cast out into other darkness. Now, people disagree on that, and they say, well, that doesn't mean they went to hell. I have yet to see Jesus say, cast out into other darkness in any other passage of Scripture that doesn't refer to hell. I don't understand what else it could be, but I guess the key is just don't be wicked and lazy and hide what he's given you. Use it for the kingdom. Don't just use it for yourself. But Jesus tells another story, and we get them confused. In Luke chapter 19, he tells a story about minas. Both are measures of money. Talent is a measure of money. Mina is a measure of money. This story, read it. Ten servants. Each get a mina. There are only three that get reported on. All ten are going to get reported on, but Jesus was saving time. He knew that, you know, we got to be done by 1130, so he only reports on three of them. One of them took one mina and gained ten more. One of them took one mina and gained five more. One of them took one mina and hid it and gained nothing. The reward here is based on what was gained. So they were rewarded in equivalent to what they gained. So the one guy got a better reward because he got up to 10. The other guy got a better reward based on just getting up to 5 because they all started with 1. So they all had the same exact opportunity. Talents, we don't all have the same opportunity. So you get rewarded just based on your faithfulness, what you have. This one, there are levels there are levels. Some of them got to the 10-pound level, and that's what they got rewarded for. Some of them got to the 25-pound level. That's what they got rewarded for. A reward in this life and in the life to come, really. Because if you're faithful in little things, you'll be given more. Notice that the wicked, lazy servant, again, was cast out into outer darkness. Now, in my opinion, and I could be wrong the only thing you and I get the same of is salvation. That's it. Nothing else in our lives is equal. We all, when we come to Christ and we surrender, we all get the same spirit. We all get all of the spirit living inside of us. And if you develop it to a one, to a level two, to a level five, to a level 10, you get rewarded based on that. But please, at, at this point, Let's stop looking around and saying, well, if only I was like that person. Mm -mm. This one, you don't get to look at other people now. This one, you look at him. He's given me everything I need to become a 10. Every, listen, <clears throat> if you're all asleep, anybody asleep, please wake up because you really need to hear this. Every person in this room has the potential to be a 10. Every person in this room has the potential to be a 10, but you have to make choices. You have to make choices. You have to make choices to shut some things off and to turn some things on. You have to make choices to get in the Word. You have to make choices to get into prayer. You have to make choices to be obedient. You have to make choices that when somebody curses you, you bless them. It doesn't say you ignore them, you bless them. You be active toward them. You love your enemies. You do good to those who hate you. 
It doesn't say you back off. It doesn't say you just, you know, just don't do anything bad to them. It says you proactively do good to them. And if you don't want to do that, you'll stay at that level. If we don't want to respond to what God's asking us to do. This book is full of stuff that he's getting us, asking us to do. And so many of us are rationalizing why we're not going to do it. And we're going to stay at that level down there. But we're hoping to see some 50-pound miracles. They're not coming. They're not coming. Unless enough people start opening the heavens over Huron so that you get to experience those 50-pound miracles. There was a quote that I read this week, and I think it was in Draw the Circle, but I read so much I can't remember. Um, Dr. Edward Miller in Argentina, speaking about the revival, he said, if God can get enough people in an area to reject the rulership and the dominion of Satan, if enough of his people will reject Satan's dominion in the right way, with humility, with brokenness, and in repentant intercession, God will slap an eviction notice on the doorway of the ruling demonic power of that area. And when he does, there is a light and a glory that begins to come. That's open heaven. The scripture speaks of this in Daniel chapter 10. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. That's what Michael says when he comes. The angel Michael visits Daniel who's been praying for 21 days. And he said, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And if you think when Jesus died that all demonic forces were bound up and put in, in hell, you misread the scripture because that happens in Revelation when he sets up his millennial kingdom on the earth. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and authorities and powers in the, of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Why do you need to get a stronger barbell? Not just for yourself, but to begin to break through the atmosphere over our city so that people that barely call on God can experience Him in a fuller way. But in the meantime, Stop saying, oh, here on such a dead spot. Here on just so full of unbelief. Oh, just get in the weight room and start developing your spiritual faith and grow so that some miracles just begin to happen around you. Now, the danger of all of this is, I didn't read some other scriptures, but if you want to write them down, Romans 5 says we glory in our suffering because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. That's how our faith grows. James chapter 1, you're really familiar with. You face trials of many kinds. You know the testing of your faith produces, there's that P word again, perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in other, anything. Every roadblock you hit, every obstacle you hit, if you quit, you go back a level. Now, if God says no, it's a no. Okay, if you try to pick up a 50-pound barbell but when God's not in it, <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. And the nice thing is, just like a good doctor, he tells you, hey, you shouldn't have done that, so let's get you back here and let's start over. And then we'll progress you know, through this thing the right way. But the danger in all of this is that we hear, we hear some things. Because faith is important. When I read the scripture, it's looking, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. It says that he saw 
their faith and he healed them. He saw their faith and he healed them. He says to his disciples, he rebuked them for their lack of faith. Another time, he, refu- he, he rebuked them for their stubborn refusal to believe. Here's the thing. Some of us have scripture verses memorized, and we think that's good. But if Jesus were in the room today, he would probably rebuke us for our refusal to believe the scripture we have memorized. Because we're not seeing how it applies to our lives and how we're supposed to act on it. So just memorizing it isn't enough. Now, whenever we get into this conversation, the problem is we get identity problems. We have identity problems. So, Pastor, what you're saying is the person I prayed for didn't get healed because I lacked faith. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. Well, you're saying because of strong faith. So, you know what we do is we, we get into this mode where we want to blame other people. And we really need to stop blaming other people and just trust God in the midst of it. What do I mean by that? The truth is, this is true. This progression spiritually is true. But what some people will hear is they'll get prideful. And they'll start getting over here into the 15s and the 20s. And they look back on the threes. And they're like, you know, I don't understand why you don't do it just like I did it. I did it. Why don't you do it? You need to do this. You need to do this. Instead of going back and just saying, hey, can I, can I help you with that? Can I show you maybe how to get from a three to a five? Can I, can I walk with you in this journey? And so pride is the wrong response. And pride is like, you know, you know why God's not moving in your life? Because you don't read the Bible and pray like I do. That's pride. That's wrong. But other people get angry. And they say things like, well, you know, you guys keep talking about this house of prayer. And if we don't come to house of prayer, we're not as spiritual as you. Um, No, that's not true either. But that anger, that deflection, okay, that's not the right response either. Neither of those wrong responses nullify the truth that this is a spiritual principle. And if you don't pray, you don't grow. If you don't obey, you don't grow. And so you can argue and blame and deflect and say, well, you know, those people this. I mean, I've heard it. People leave our church and they say, well, you know, because if you don't go to house of prayer, you're not on the the main team. Um, And I'm sorry if that's what you feel. That's not what we're trying to communicate. But that fear isn't going to keep me from talking about the importance of praying together because all through the scripture, they met together daily in the temple to pray. They met together daily in the temple to pray. Oh, I wish we could get back to the miracles of the book of Acts. Do you really? Do you really? Because they met together in the temple every day and prayed. They sold every possession and they gave it and laid it at the apostles' feet for them to do with it as God told them to. So don't say anymore, I want to see the miracles of the book of Acts if you're not willing to pay the price that they paid in the book of Acts. Because we're deceiving ourselves, we're fooling ourselves, and we're stuck. But God loves us enough that he's not in heaven today saying, stop it. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 
Don't just get in a prayer closet. Talk to me all day long, every day. See how connected you can become to me. Because when you get so connected to me, your identity is formed in what I think of you, not what other people think of you. Your identity is formed in what I say over you, not your perfect performance. Because the moment you go from a 10 to a 5, then you start feeling guilty. Oh, yeah. I'm so, God, I'm so ashamed. Stop being ashamed. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Just get back to the 10. You can't live in that guilt, that condemnation, but the only way it comes is by connection to the Father. This is the last verse I'm going to share with you today, and we're going to jump into this next week. You need to come back because I'm going to tell you how to steer clear of doo-doo. And that's going to be very important because the state fair is coming and you're going to need to know. I probably should have preached it this week because you've you know, you got four days at the fair before you're going to just, just know. Stay clear of doo-doo when you're on the fairgrounds. Um, but that's literally what we're going to talk about next week. Steer clear of doo-doo. And it's going to come out of this. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I mean, I love Jesus. I love that the Son of God equality with God, would lay aside every right and privilege he has as God, come to this earth to take my punishment for me so I never would have to. And then he would exchange and give me everything he is for everything I was. I mean, how could that not stir up anything but love in our hearts? But here's the kicker. So many of us, we love Jesus and we even sing, it's all about you, Jesus. But it's really not. Because Jesus is the, the way, the way to what? The way to heaven, the way to salvation, the way to... Or look at his next words. He's the way to the Father. He's the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. You, Jesus died to bring you back to the Father. So you could know what the Father thinks about you. So you could know the Father's love. So you could know the Father's presence daily in your life. So just as he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, he could walk with you every moment of every day, helping you along the way and developing that character in your life. So here's the thing. Today we're going to close in a way that I feel like God wanted us to close and you're going to have to be the one to decide that. Because I want you to keep praying. I want you to keep going in this prayer session. I don't want you to stop on Thursday. I want it to continue to grow in our lives. But we need to contend for open heaven, and we need to contend for stronger faith. And so in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to bring my, our prayer team over to this side. And this is what we're going to do. I had our, our prayer team this morning lay hands on these barbells because I felt like what God wanted us to do at the close of this service, if you have time and if you can take a moment and do this, he wants you to walk along this table starting on this side. And he literally just wants you to touch each barbell and say, God, I surrender to, every, to the next level. Whatever the next, you don't have to stay a long time. Just I, I surrender to the next level. Whatever the next level is, I need to know. Whatever I need to do, whatever I need to lay down. And thank God for the word that said there's an alabaster box that needs to be broken. Because our prayer today was as you walk this table and as you touch this, that supernaturally the Holy Spirit is going to show you what needs to be broken open, what needs to be poured out, what needs to be laid down in your life. Life, what's keeping you stuck? And so if you could take just a few moments to walk that table 
Uh, we'll just dismiss. We'll let you walk the table. When you get done, if you want to spend time in prayer somewhere, go spend some time in prayer somewhere. If you need prayer, our prayer team is going to be on this side. We want to pray with you. But I'm believing that God's going to show you what level you are and what level you need to go to and what step you need to take. He's not going to overwhelm you. He is not going to give you the 1,700 things you need to do to get to 50. Just listen for the one. What's the one thing? And for some of you, you're going to think it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. You really are. You're going to think there's no way. That doesn't make any sense. That's not even connected. I mean, I know what my problem is and what he's asking me to do doesn't connect. Just do it. Just do it. Someday, Leonard Ravenhill says in our reading today, the quote, someday somebody's just going to take the Bible, read it, and believe it. And they're going to put it into practice and they're going to make the rest of us realize we've missed it all along. Today could be that day. I pray you do it. I want to look at your life after you walk this table and think, man, how did I miss that one? Because I'm not any more spiritual than any of you, and God doesn't want to do any more miracles in my life than he wants you to use, to do in you too. And so let's stand. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'm going to pray a grace upon you to keep going and to keep praying over these next few days. And I know it might take a while to walk the table, but if you're willing and you say, you know what, I want to go to the next level. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means. And prayer team, um, you need to walk the table first. So while I'm praying, I want you to just walk the table and then take your spot over there and get ready to pray with the people that uh, are going to respond to the message today. And so, Father, I just thank you that you did everything. You did it all. You did it all. While we were your enemies, you did it all. You pursued us. You tell us to pursue our enemies. You tell us to step towards them because it's who you are. It's what you did for us. Every one of us in this room were your enemies. We didn't love you. We didn't care about you. We weren't searching for you. We weren't looking for you. We didn't like you. We didn't like your rules. We didn't like your kingdom. We didn't like what you had to say. And yet in that moment, you stepped out of heaven and you came to this earth and you wrapped yourself in flesh because you wanted a relationship with us again. You wanted us to be restored in that relationship with you. Not because you wanted well-behaved servants, but because you wanted a relationship with us. You wanted to commune with us. You wanted to build a kingdom here on earth with your kids. God, we have thoroughly messed this up. We have thoroughly misinterpreted scriptures. And we have lost the fact that you've called us to your heart. You've called us to be one with you. Our goal is to be one with you. And out of that comes fruit. Out of that comes unity. Out of that comes miracles. Out of that comes provision. God, we do not live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds by you, from your mouth. And so Holy Spirit, do a supernatural work today in every life. As we walk this table, show us where we're stuck. Show us the things that need to be laid down and give us grace to lay them down, not just one time, but every day to lay our lives down fully for you, to allow you to do the work that only you can do in each of our lives. God, to take us to that next level, to begin to make an open heaven over this city. God, where your glory is seen, is felt, is experienced, is heard by every person that even just passes through. God, this week, literally thousands of people from all over the world 
will converge in this city. And we have failed to take the responsibility of that seriously enough. We have failed to chisel away at the heavens over this city so that the, the, the carnival workers that we look at with disdain and disgust, God, that they would experience and encounter your love just by driving into this city. That extraordinary miracles could be done on the fairgrounds during these days. And that people would leave Huron and say, oh, they don't have very many restaurants, but man, they got something. Forgive us. Forgive us for failing to do that. Forgive us for, for failing to understand the great responsibility that you've placed in our lives to open the heavens over this city. The lives that could be changed. But God, I thank you with you. It's never too late. And so I pray birth in our hearts. God, the, the type of perseverance that we need to develop strong faith and an open heaven over this city. God, I pray birth it in every heart in this room. Make us pregnant with possibility. Holy Spirit, work in every heart, every life in this room today. Fill in the gaps and do what I couldn't do. Give them grace this week to put into practice what you show us today. In Jesus' name. If you want to walk the table, I'd encourage you to do it. Find a place of prayer. Find someone to pray with you. When you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that want to pray. God bless you as you go.